If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. Innovation happens in the blink of an eye. And to understand the implications, you need a credible source that helps to make sense of it all. Stay up to date on the most pressing innovation issues shaping the world today by subscribing to Better Innovation, a podcast featuring top management strategists, policymakers, and leading innovation thought leaders from across the globe. Going into its sixth season, Better Innovation, hosted by Jeff Saviano, a global innovation leader with EY, delves into how innovative technologies like blockchain, artificial intelligence, digital currencies, and the promise of Web 3.0 are transforming the global landscape. Featuring elite guests like Jeremy Allaire, CEO of Circle Financial, authors Whitney Johnson and Rita McGrath, former U.S. Cabinet member Andrew Card, and a number of leading MIT scientists. Subscribe today and hear more from these distinguished guests. Subscribe to Better Innovation on your favorite podcast platform. G'day everyone, Lauren Kress, the business scientist here. Happy Friday. I'm recording this intro now and I'm still waiting for a few things to load on my computer so I can actually edit this and package it all together for you. And it's 1.30 right now as I'm recording this. I want to get it out by three. So apologies if this has come out later than that because it well it could well do looking at the time and what's going on. <laughs> My computer's just like really struggling. But anyway, today we're talking about small business and entrepreneurship and based on a few things that have come out just recently and I you know I'll talk about it properly in the show. Uh, I did kind of really actually end up focusing on uh the differences in gender diversity between small business founders and startups. And I talk a little bit about some of the things that are going on this year, what that could mean, what's going on with this whole like uh, boosting female founders initiative as well. There was this awesome article written by Stephanie Palmaderian yesterday and I talk a little bit about that. Uh, and I feel like I do need to give a little bit of a like sort of content warning at the beginning of this of like one, I swear heaps. <laughs> in this episode but you know like I mark this as explicit but uh the other thing is is like I'm talking about things that might be a little bit triggering for some people so um it's definitely relevant whether you're male or female so this isn't like a you know women only show in any way I'm actually really passionate about it not being a women only show they totally have their place um but this is very much uh created for women and men in business having said that uh, we're all in business and we can't escape the fact that there is there is a massive lack of gender diversity in, in both small business and entrepreneurship groups. Uh, and I talk about sort of why that could be and specifically like also there's a big difference between the representation of women in small businesses versus entrepreneurship as well. So the content warning is like if that stuff makes you a bit angry and upset, like I'm going to go there in this episode. And I don't always do that. So I kind of feel like I need to say that. Uh, but at the same time, uh, my goal actually, well, <laughs> my goal was to talk about the facts and then sort of talk about how what my personal experience had been with this and, and sort of share a little bit about my history and stuff. Um, and kind of really where I got to was actually turning this into something that we can use to, to motivate us in some ways. So I, I do kind of end this on a motivating note, but we kind of have to go through that, like, you know, 
this is a bit fucked <laughs> to get to the, all right, what are we going to fucking do about it, right? And and this is, and I mean that from an inclusive male, female, like lower class, middle class, upper class, you know, any ethnicity, any race, like I mean this for everyone. I, I don't mean this to be just like a women like me, right? Like that's not that's not the conversation I, I want to have here. But obviously like I'm relating it back to my personal experiences. So uh that's kind of that's kind of where we go. But I do start off talking more about like, you know, what's going on with uh, with small business this year. So it's kind of like a little bit of a different show, but just given the the discourse over the last few days especially and looking at what happened with the budget for twenty twenty. Did you say twenty twenty or twenty twenty one? Anyway, you know what I mean. The the one that just came out. For Australians anyway if you're Australian um, talk a little bit about that as well we talk about venture capitalists and, and investment and all that kind of stuff and um, it's a long episode this is a long episode so I think I don't know depending on how much I edit it my computer is starting to move now <laughs> it, it'll, it might be like 45 minutes or an hour I mean you'll know it'll be on it'll be on the podcast uh, I really I'm really curious about what you think about this what's been your personal experience um uh, you know, this isn't a one voice thing. I'm just, I'm just one person saying some things, some facts, some experiences. I, you know, I, I talk. I, I also have the emotional side in this, right? So, like, I'm like, here's the facts, and the, you know, the science scientist in me is there, but I'm like, here's also emotionally how I'm feeling about this, and I don't want it. I don't want this to be a show just because we're talking about science. It doesn't mean that there can't be um, emotion, and and I want this to be one one small small part in this tiny tiny corner of the internet that i occupy i want this to be a catalyst for for thinking and for discussion for 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 like you know useful progressive <laughs> discussion so i'd love to know what you think uh tweet with me at lauren cress 89 obviously you can jump on linkedin and say hello and chat with me uh, there, I also want to give a quick shout out before we start to Georgia Fastlane for the cup of coffee and for the review on Apple Podcasts. Really, really appreciate it. I know there was someone else who said they had um, reviewed the show, but sometimes like it doesn't come through or it's in like a different country. And so um, thank you for, you know, everyone who's reviewing it. Sometimes I don't see it come through, but I do really, really appreciate it. Um, if you want to buy me a cup of coffee, like you know, if you're kind of like, okay, if I met Lauren, if we we're having a meeting, I'd love to shout her a cup of coffee. Uh, you can do that on Kofi. So ko-fi.com forward slash Lauren Cress. That money goes towards like helping me put the show together. So, I mean, at the moment it's small, right? But it's slowly growing. You can do it as like a once-off thing or you can do it as a once-a-month thing. I may eventually change it so it is a once-a-month thing just so I can have a like a little bit more kind of like month-to-month support because what a lot of people do is they kind of jump on and like buy me a bunch of coffees and then, you know, like that's kind of it, which I, you know, I super appreciate. <laughs> Even one coffee is, is awesome. Um, but the the monthly support is like super helpful, as you guys know, right? You're in business. Uh, so yeah, without further ado, let's get on to the main part of the show today. There might be a little bit bit of an ad break here and uh, yeah, I'll talk to you in a tick. Oh, 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 one more thing. One more thing. So right at the end of uh, this episode today, I do make an offer of what I'm going to do to help with this whole thing that we're talking about today. Uh, so stick around until the 
end for that because if this resonates uh, to you, essentially I've got a free offer for you uh, to help. So if you want to find out more about that, uh, just reach out to me on LinkedIn, send me a message and um, we'll set up set up a time to do that. Uh, but yeah, I just know sometimes people don't listen to the end. So make sure you do. If this is resonating, I've got I've got something special for you right at the end. All right, now, now we'll get on to the main part of the show. Babe, there's something different about my mango pineapple smoothie. Really? My caramel frappe tastes fine. Nah, something's definitely different. No difference? Other than I got them for half off because I ordered on the app. Well, that explains it. Explains what? How things seem to taste so much better when you're getting a sweet deal. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Right now at Mickey D's, get 50% off any size McCafe beverage when you order through the McDonald's app. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Follow one time per day. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. I'm so excited about today's topic. So, so excited going to be a little bit more political than what I usually am because I think to talk about this this topic and to do it justice uh I got to go there so for those of you who've watched a few of these or listened uh on the podcast show you'll know that I tend to kind of keep things like very business focused and don't go too much into the political realm because I think that um we all have different sort of you know, viewpoints there and business is something where, you know, we can come together despite those those differences. So I actually think for community building purposes, it's really important that we can have discourse about things that we have in common, even if it, there's other things that we might see differently. But when it comes to entrepreneurship and small business owners, there were just a few things as I was researching for today's show, which usually <laughs> I'm not so great with the whole prepping research they go usually just like write down some questions for me based on stuff I already know but today I was like no I want to talk about something topical I saw uh, an article that was published uh, yesterday published by hang on let me grab her name it was published by Stephanie on smart company what's Stephanie's last name oh I've got so many notes here ah Stephanie Palmer Darien Darien yes um, awesome article. And if you saw my post about 45 minutes ago on LinkedIn, I suggested having a read of that before uh, jumping on the live stream today. And it was about the boosting female funders, sorry, female funders, <laughs> boosting female founders initiative that was announced by the government as part of sort of this, like, you know, the whole like delayed 2020 budget. And I'm not usually someone who goes into like looking at the budget and looking at finances and looking at what's happening in that sort of space. I really see my role more as in like the the education space. How can I help people grow? I know people want to grow their business. So that's that's kind of where I say. But like I said, there was just there was just so much in here. And I think uh, I, I really want to talk about that today as part of this discussion. So I, I want to start off with like a super 
simple question to sort of like contextualize everything we're going to be talking about. And that's what I said I would talk about, uh, I think earlier in the week, I, I kind of announced I was talking about this. So what is the difference between an entrepreneur and a small business owner? Like to start off with, what, what does that look like? And for those of you who are watching, feel free to comment as we go. But essentially the way I would look at this and, you know, Eric Rees talks about this in the Lean Startup as well, is like an entrepreneur is someone who is looking at like, how can we do things differently? So they're kind of going, all right, like this is the situation of the world. This is what's happening in different markets. Here's where I want to disrupt things. Here's where I want to change things. Here's something new that we can do that no one else is really doing. Now, to an extent, that definition is problematic because you'll see entrepreneurs are often doing the same things, right? But it's because there's things that are emerging and, and there's a bunch of people going, oh, we need to we need to jump on this, right? We saw that happen with things like block, blockchain and Bitcoin and stuff like that, right? Um, a small business owner or a small business operator traditionally is someone who goes, I'm going to go and set up a business or a cert, like a service. It could be a product or whatever, but it's like a proven like business need, right? I'm not explaining that very well, but essentially it's like, okay, so I'm a marketer. I'm going to help other people market their business. I'm going to set up a marketing agency to do that. Hey, Jeremy, how's it going? Thanks for saying hello. Um, I'm going to set up a um, financial advisor. I'm going to set up a financial advising business. They're proven businesses that we know work. I'm a real estate agent. I'm going to set, set up a real estate agent business. It's not like you look out into the world and you go, no one has ever done this before. It's like, this is proven, this works. We work as mortgage brokers. We work as real estate agents. We work as a marketing agency. They're setting up a new business and they still go through a phase of sort of like starting up. But essentially you kind of, in those businesses, it's often a lot easier to get like business loans and business funding because it's like a proven thing. Oh, we can make projections based on the fact that this is the cafes in the area. We're going to bring a new cafe into the area. This is what it's going to look like. So in some ways, like being a small business owner, and I would consider myself a small business owner primarily, is like when we start a business, we're starting with a lot less risk and uncertainty, right? Because it's like, we've been able to look at what everyone else is doing, kind of going, yeah, I'm going to do one of those as well. Like I wanted, to, and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not trying to make it sound like, oh, it's so boring and uninnovative. Like there's lots of still cool stuff you can do there. And every business innovates to a certain degree. But in a startup, as an entrepreneur, we're often going like, we're going into a completely uncertain territory, right? And for me, where I kind of feel like I do the entrepreneur thing is in that I've had to create new products. And this kind of brings me into what I want to talk about today, which is that because of the disruption this year, because of what has gone on in 2020, a lot of small business owners have sort of been entrepreneurs in a way that I don't think has really happened here in Australia. Maybe it's happened more in America. And Jeremy, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this because we didn't really have the the global financial crisis didn't really hit Australia in the same way that it hit most other places around the world. And I always like to keep that in mind because I know that there's a global audience that listens and watches this show. So in Australia, we've kind of had a pretty comfortable time, right? For a long period of time, we've had this sort of comfortable time, not saying that running a business isn't hard, but it's been relatively 
like, okay, I know if I go set up a consulting company, this is what I can expect to make. This is how I get clients. I've got a network of people and it's kind of like a little bit, it feels a bit safer, I think anyway. Again, interested in your thoughts. It feels safer than being an entrepreneur who's like, I'm going to create this like new tech platform. And it's like, no one's ever seen anything like this before, that here's our most similar competitors and we're going to go out there and do this. And Jeremy, you said, yes, many people became entrepreneurs this year. Yeah, totally, right? (laughs) It's like, it's sort of like almost like a word that I'm, I mean, this is anecdotal, but sort of a word that I've also seen pop up more um, this year than in other years. Like there's sort of this like, um, uh, I I feel like there's been this coming together of people being like, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. And so for me, like I used to, identify quote unquote as a small business owner and this year I've really gone like no actually I'm an entrepreneur because like the my business basically was like so affected by what happened this year that I was like I have to completely change what I'm doing I think that's what heaps of us did and in different countries there were different ways that business owners were supported or weren't supported through that Um, but it's it's been really interesting to see that shift. And I think in some ways it's really, really exciting because a lot of people who've played a safer game have, you know, kind of been forced in some ways to rethink things. I think one thing as well that we saw was like for the last, I would say five years particularly, but it was even talked about before that, there's been a lot more discussion around like playing in the blue ocean, having a blue ocean market. And essentially that's another way of saying like finding a niche, right? Like where are you a category, where, where are you selling to a category of one instead of competing with everyone else out there in like the red ocean? So again, using an example of a small business, like a marketing agency traditionally would be like, right, we help businesses with marketing. That's it. Any business that comes to us, we help them with marketing, right? And then, you know, over the last few years, there'd been this popularization of this idea of being niche, but it's not what niche traditionally meant. So when you say niche to a lot of marketers, a lot of marketers will think like, oh, okay, so um, it's a small market. We're going for a small market uh, that some people with, with a very specific product so you know and there's a sliding scale there so you know on one extreme you might have like we design uh, I used this example before but like we design very specific specialized um, you know like fishing hooks and fishing equipment for people who fish this way you know and that that's all that we do that's it that's like one extreme and then the other extreme you have like well we're here for everyone we sell like bread (laughs) right anyone can eat bread pretty much unless they're like gluten intolerant or something right so that's that's kind of thing now when we bring that into the marketing world what we saw happen was it's like it went from like yeah I can service any business to like I'm gonna help entrepreneurs in their first three years of business to grow what are those specific issues that entrepreneurs have in their first three years or four years, or five years? Why did we choose that? What's going on for that period of time? How can we specialize there? How can we prove that we're really effective at helping these people? Because if we get really, really good at helping these people and invest in time and money into doing that, we can't 
do everything else, right? You, you just can't, it's very hard to like be really good at one thing and be really good at all these other things as well, right? And there's different needs with this market versus another market. So that was happening anyway. But then I think what we saw here, and I'm going to specifically talk more about Australia here just because I have more firsthand experience with it, but I've talked to lots of people in America and the UK and stuff as well, and there were similarities, is that we saw a lot of people who had been comfortable going, oh, I might need to be niche or I might need to change what I'm actually delivering and I need to pivot, right? That was a big thing. I need to pivot. Um, Jeremy, you said getting through the building and growing pains. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to help entrepreneurs get through the building and growing pains. It's it's a harder business to run, running a business that <laughs> helps people going through that. And it looks very different. And it's interesting because I've spoken to a lot of people who are entrepreneurs or in their first few years of starting a business that is a small business. And I think in that sense, you kind of still are an entrepreneur in some ways because you've got to find your feet. You go through similar things, right? Um, who've said like, yeah, marketing agencies just wouldn't take me on because like I was too small. Like, and they were like, oh, we don't know how to help you. Like you, we could, we could put a bunch of ads out there for you, but it's going to cost you $10,000 and a small business owner is like, or an entrepreneur is like, no way I can't afford that. Right. So, um, okay. So we talked a little bit about the difference between entrepreneurs and small businesses. And I, for me, like the first thing I want to say is like, I think it's actually really exciting. I think it's really exciting that there has been this, like for us as small business owners going, I have to think like more like an entrepreneur. I have to get more into that mindset of growth and uncertainty and change and, and leading in that rather than like day to day, how do I operate my business? Right. And like another example of a business that's like really typically like small business, not startup is like a cafe, right? Like a cafe, like there's bazillions of cafes. It's a proven business model. If you set up in the right place and you provide good coffee and good food, you're sweet. That's why businesses will lend money to people starting cafes. All right. Sorry, banks will lend money to businesses starting cafes. Did I say that? Yeah. So it's like, this is a proven thing that works as long as you get your location. I'm not saying it's like, you know, certain, but there's less risk than someone who's like, I'm going to launch a new tech product that's never existed before. I need funding to actually even make the product that then we've got to test in market, then we've got to market it, et cetera, et cetera, right? Very, very different circumstances. But then this year, cafes have gone, okay, I can only do takeaway. And if I only do takeaway in the area that I'm in, that's going to be problematic for me. Are there other things I can do? What about if we do delivery? Now, doing delivery in of itself isn't like hugely innovative, but it kind of is for that group of people, right? So it's still an entrepreneurial mindset. We're going to talk a little bit about entrepreneurs a bit later. And I should have warned you guys at the start of this, this is probably going to be a longer live stream. So I try to do these in 30 minutes. I don't think I'll do today's in 30 minutes because there's a lot I want to cover. So I will be breaking this down into like highlights for people who, who don't like long content. But on the podcast, I've noticed people generally will listen to long content. And so I'm going to be live streaming for a while. Um, Shira, Shivaraji said, only the wearer knows where the shoe pinches. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, I'm just trying to work out how you say it. So it's Shivaraj Naragal. Naragal, I hope I got that right. I love um, interesting names that I haven't seen before. I'm just always self-conscious of not saying them properly. So thank you for your comment. And so true, right? Like there's actually, I'm just going to go off on a little tangent here, guys, because that just made me think of something that I, I love about 
in this book called Empathy. It's an awesome book. I've reviewed it before. It's by a guy called Roman Kaznarik hard name to say and he wrote this book called empathy a revolution a handbook for revolution and in it one of the first examples he uses of empathy is actually a business example where he says this woman uh wanted to she basically did this experiment on herself right where she was like she made herself kind of like an old person like an older person who might have like arthritis might have trouble walking and stuff so she actually like physically changed things like she put um like little paddle pop sticks on her fingers so she couldn't move her fingers properly and a a few different things like that right and then she tried to use everyday equipment like um a can opener and like a bottle opener and like a cooking cooking utensils and like what it's like to get around in the day as an older person right And from that designed all these, like, she was like a product designer, right? So she designed all these new things that um, were really useful for people who had arthritis. And uh, I think that's kind of the level of kind of where we need to go sometimes with designing something new is like, we have to really think outside the box. And Julian Danilak, who was on my show this week uh, on the podcast said, you know, you've got to know your customer like your best friend. And I'm like, that's so true. It's like, if you're not the wearer of that shoe, like you kind of need to become the wearer of that shoe. And it's also why, like, whatever I'm kind of competing with, like, so say that's a competitive pitch and someone's like, oh, I, you know, I might go with these guys or I might go with you. I'm like, well, so if you're going with a traditional agency to help you with market, I don't do agency work anymore, but this is when I was doing agency work. It's like, or a tra- more traditional consultant. I'm like, you're going to pay a lot more and you're going to be dealing with a junior because your account's not going to be that important. If you're an entrepreneur or small business owner, your account's going to be like way deprioritized in comparison to like, you know, Coca-Cola or McDonald's or like Nike, right? In comparison to that, you're going to be like, oh, this is only, this is only a $10,000 account that's not a big deal for a traditional agency. So they get a junior person who doesn't have much business experience or business acumen to look after your account for you. And I'm like, I'm looking after it for you. And I run a business. Like I know what it's like. And I've worked as an account director. Like I worked all the way up first before I did this. Right. Um, Shivaraji said, appreciate your insights on empathy with empathy, both, both business and personal life can be empowered. Yeah, totally. And like, it, it was funny because I remember seeing, I saw Roman talk about this in in Sydney a few years back for the School of Life and he said, oh, you know, like we don't want to use empathy for evil purposes like marketing and I'm, I'm probably not quoting him exactly but I was like, well, but actually the first example you use in your book is, is a marketing example but it's a great example because it's about like marketing isn't an evil word. If you're providing value for people, you need to let them know about it. You know, I'm saying that to like nonprofits all the time. I'm like, guys, marketing is a good thing. You guys are providing an important service. You guys are changing the world for, for the better. We have to tell that story and we have to promote that story right um so yeah i think empathy is hugely important for business and marketing and i don't think it's a bad thing at all that we use it um i think he was saying is in like to manipulate people and i'm like yeah you don't want to manipulate people but you you can still use empathy to like you know tell a, a useful story that people want to hear okay so where have we gotten to so far we've talked about 
small business. We haven't got very far. I've got like, I actually did proper prep for this today and I've got like this massive thing, massive amount of notes. So um, I'm going to keep moving forward <laughs> with this and we'll see where we get to. So um, I, I kind of, I wasn't going to talk about this. I think I said this at the beginning of the live stream, but two things came up this morning and I was like, I have to include this in today's thing. So firstly, I want to give a shout out to Holly Branson and Melanie Useeb, who were in this conversation, uh, this recorded conversation on LinkedIn this morning that I came across. Um, and Melanie said, advocate for the people that are not at the table. Um, Melanie is doing some amazing work in terms of like black women in leadership. Uh, and I kind of just quickly came across it. Um, I think it's black businesses as, as well. And that that's the term that she's used in the, in her, in her profile. Um, and I just love that idea. And I thought about it and I was like, this is really interesting because the other thing I had just read was about this Boosting Female Founders Initiative. So the Boosting Female Founders Initiative was something that was announced by the government as like a way to like help uh, entrepreneurs um, and startups that were like either founded or co-founded by women. So it had to have like, it has to have like equal representation, at least 50-50 split between like women and men. A woman has to have like 50% share, share a woman or women have to have 50% share of the, of the startup. Right. And it, it's like, you know, <laughs> given the, the, this article that I mentioned before, it's by Stephanie Palmaderian and um, in the article, it's in smart company. They're like, yeah, there's like some really slim pickings for, for female entrepreneurs, but this one seems to be a relatively good one in, in terms of the budget announcements. So I wanted to have a look at this because it actually does feed into the small business entrepreneur conversation, right? And I thought this was really interesting. So in terms of the demographics, and I'm talking about gender specifically, I'm not saying there aren't other issues, there's class issues, there's race issues, there's a whole heap of stuff. But I'm just going to talk about gender diversity today because like can't cover everything. And it's also the one that I'm most comfortable talking about. So small business has 35% represent like 35% of small business operators and owners are women and 65% are of uh, small business owners and operators are men. But then if we look at startups in the startup land, it's 22% of startups are founded by women and 78% are founded by men. So that's that's a significant difference, right? The difference between small business and and entrepreneurs. Like I, I so I was like, oh, okay, that's uh, that comes into this conversation about this difference between small business and and entrepreneurship. So I wanted to kind of look at that. Then I started digging into this a little bit more because I'd read this article. So one of the points that Stephanie makes in this article is that like so the, the, just so you know a little bit about this initiative. It's basically almost $36 million of stimulus um, over the next five years for businesses that are majority owned and led by women. So at least 50%. And sorry, I'm reading off my notes because I want to make sure I get the stats right. Um, I don't like when stats are misquoted <laughs> and I don't want to be one of those people. 50%, uh, it has to have 50% of like leadership is women. So like the C-suite execs needs to be 50% women. The problem is, and I, I was like, this gets us into a really juicy conversation, is that a, if you get a small amount of VC capital, I'm not sure exactly how much that is, or you give away a small amount of equity to 
to a, a man, right? So, or a VC company that's like, you're, you're bringing on a VC person who's male, right? Then basically it's like, you don't, you're not eligible anymore for this funding. And I was like, okay, so like, what's going to be the consequences of this? Like moving out of 2020, we've got a very, like, like we've got this problem where women aren't, you know, becoming entrepreneurs. And I want to talk about that as well as like, is that actually a problem? Because I think that's, that's worthy of discussion. But I was like, okay, there's, there's issues here, right? Because VCs are largely men in Australia and worldwide, like uh, venture capital investors are largely male. So basically, unless you get, yes, there are venture capital firms that have representation of like, you know, women in the leadership positions, but it's like four out of the 10 top VC um, firms in, in Australia have like women partners. So it's like less than half. Uh, and that was in 2019, I think. So <laughs> we've got a few problems there because women get 3% of funding. So this, this is a stat from 2018, which is the same as like 1991. So this was in Q3 or Q4 of 2018, 3% of women got funding for their startup venture, right? So, sorry, 3% of, of funding was represented by females in uh, startups. It's always hard to get the, the stats. I've got to make sure I say it properly. Um, and the other thing is, is actually in Australia, it's better. So I went and dug into that a little bit more. And um, the Australian Financial Review also looked at this and they found that uh, the top nine VCs um, invested, the 20, 26% of the businesses they invested in were female led, right? Which is like not fantastic, but it's still better. And that's like, that's like leading in the world, like, which I thought was pretty interesting too. So it's like, okay, so women don't get a lot of capital. Also, women tend to have less capital when they start their businesses because the other problem is, is a lot of the time when they're starting their businesses, they haven't been promoted to the levels where they're getting the same kind of money as a man who's like left their job and like, and had that money. And by the way, just quick caveat in here, I'm not saying this is men's fault at all. I'm not saying this is anyone's fault. I'm just like quoting the stats. I want to talk about why this could be happening and what we can do about it later. But this is just like, this is just the statistics, right? Um, just this is me being the scientist. So <laughs> um, women have less capital when they start, but here's the other really interesting thing. So women-led startups generate twice as much return on investment as uh, for investors as uh, as companies led by men. So it's like when they're, they're actually invested in, they're generating twice as much return on investment. So that's huge, right? That's that's massive. That's a, that's a big reason to like invest in female-led businesses. Now there's selection biases there because it's like only maybe the top um, female-led businesses are even the ones that are getting any funding, which would be my guess. So we've got some confounding variables here as to why that's happening. It's not doesn't necessarily mean that women are better at running businesses, right? That's not what the statistic means. All it's saying is that currently when a female-led business is invested in, it's producing a much bigger return on investment for investors. There could be lots of causes. Okay, so... I was like, what's going on here with this small business startup thing, 
right? And I was like, my head jumped to, oh, women have been shown in some surveys and reports to be like more risk averse, right? But then there's also studies that are like, that's a problematic thing to say because there are women who take risks and, you know, there's also all these conditioning factors in there, right? So it's like women take risk, take less risk, but why are they taking less risks? Is it because they feel like they're going to be judged harsher um, by, you know, people in that leadership position if they take a risk? Like are the consequences greater for them? And there's evidence to support that the consequence is greater for, for women who take risks, right? Uh, as in like, like bad consequences. So there's all these like, there's all these issues there. So I'm like, is it the is it the risk thing? Is it the lifestyle thing? Is it like, and it kind of made me also think about what I said last week. So what I said last week is I'm like, run the business that like you actually want to run, right? So in the live stream, I was saying like, you know, what's your goal for your business? What type of business are you trying to run? And I'm like, for me, like, and I've said this lots of times openly before, I'm like, I don't actually want to run a multi-million dollar business like that doesn't turn me on that doesn't like excite me nothing like that I know there's men who are like that and there's women that are like that and it's just like some people are like my goal is not to grow this multi-million dollar business awesome if you are one of those people but I think the thing is is I'm like it's there's this year now that we've had where we've all be, kind of become a little bit on, more entrepreneurial right <laughs> so what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us moving forward? And one thing that really, really concerned me about what the government's announced in terms of supporting female entrepreneurs through this program is that the, the big game that you're playing as an entrepreneur is to get social capital as well as financial capital. And I'm like, so if, you're, if the government's saying we will support you until you get some VC funding. And even if you have a small amount of VC funding, our support goes away. To me, I'm like, well, what does that do? What are the consequences of that? One of the consequences of doing that is we go, well, I'm not going to even bother applying for the VC capital because if I do that, oh, sorry, VC capital, <laughs> I'm going to apply for funding from a VC because if I do that, then it just like, it's defeating the purpose. I've got the money from the government. Awesome. But it's like, yeah, but the other thing is, is like already you're a minority. You're a female founder who's like going, yeah, I want to do something new and different and scary and exciting. And I'm like, that is fucking awesome. That is so awesome that you're doing that because not many women are being encouraged to do that. Not many women being supported to do that. So it's like awesome. But then it's like, oh, if you if you go and actually do the thing that like in this world that like is male dominated and that doesn't have very much female representation and you're like no no don't even enter that world we'll help you because we'll just give you money but if you go into that world you don't get the money and I'm like that creates a problem like that creates a long-term problem because it's like what happens when that bit of funding from the government runs out right so it's like now you're playing a much shorter game because you don't have those contacts that you actually might need in like your second round of funding right then it's like you're starting further and further back so i'm like what is this going to do for female entrepreneurs it's probably actually going to have a, a like a bad impact because it's like we've already got like three percent three percent that's ridiculous that means like 97 percent of funding is going to like 
male led businesses, 97%. That's like, that's in 2020. That's ridiculous. What's the government doing to change that? No, it's actually making it worse. Now it's like, we're going to deter people from building these relationships. Um, it, it also makes me want to talk a little bit about barriers because what are the barriers for women entering the entrepreneur space and, and small business as well? Small business still underrepresented, just not as much as in the entrepreneurial space. So I went and checked out this article. Well, it's actually not an article. It's like a report by Laura Youngson. Um, at, I think she's at the Wade Institute or the Wade Institute hired her to write it. I'm not sure which one. Um, and it's a really, really great article. I'll link it in here after this. But basically, they list a whole bunch of different reasons for why this is happening. And I think it's really, really important that we remember that only one of the many reasons is gender bias, because gender bias is the one that's always talked about. And it gets a lot of people's backs up because I know heaps of like awesome men and women who have supported me in my journey. Right. And a lot of people would would say that. I'm like, actually, generally more men just because there's more men in those positions who can who can mentor. Like so many people have, have gone out of their way to support me. And it's not like because you're a woman, because you're a man. It's like because you're a person doing this awesome stuff. But I am extremely privileged. I'm an extremely privileged situation. I'm, uh, I was brought up in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, which is like a massively, like as most people in Australia know, like that is, that is an area where there's lots of wealth and affluence, right? Um, my parents were both running businesses. My mum could help me when I started my business, right? My mum has a business herself. I'm married to a doctor who has like a really secure job. Like there's all these things that have meant for me, I'm in like a super, super privileged position. Now, why am I saying that? Oh, I'm saying that because I'm talking about gender bias. So I'm like men and women have both helped me in my journey, but also I have lots of social capital. So social capital is one of the other big things that's that's causing this issue, right? And again, this goes back to this thing of what the government's done that's so counterintuitive is it's like, hang on, we want young female entrepreneurs and older female entrepreneurs and female entrepreneurs and small business owners in general to be establishing those networks. And now you're going, here's another reason to not do that. Not only might you just not have those networks and not only might you feel a bit un un uncomfortable going to these networking events that are very, like that you're like, no one here looks like me. Now it's like, oh, no, we'll actually take the funding away from you as well. So it's just like, it's crazy. So gender bias is a thing, but it's unconscious most of the time. Like most people are not sitting there. Yes, there are some, but there's a lot of people who, are, who aren't sitting there. And this is what the research shows going like, people aren't going, oh, you're a woman. I'm not going to hire you, right? Some people experience that with once they've had kids. Well, a lot of people have told me they've experienced that. That's a different thing. So I'm not talking about parents. I'm just talking about women and men. I'm not talking about mothers. Mothers and women are two separate groups. Women is everyone. Mothers are parents. And then you've got dads and dads face their own issues like getting paternity leave and all of that. And I could go on a rant and I'm not going to go on a rant about that. Um, but there's the gender bias is like it's one thing and it tends to be unconscious. And there's an awesome video that was done on uh, by the Royal Science Society. What's it called? It's the British one. Anyway, I'll find it. It talks about why gender bias happens. And a lot of it's just like it's because these are the people around you. 
you know, these are the people around you who look kind of similar to you. And it goes back to that point that uh, Melanie, you said made, which is like advocate for the people not at the table, right? And I've met heaps of men that are doing that and like, awesome. There's so many shout outs I could give. I'm like, it will take too long, but you know who you are and thank you. Thank you for supporting me. And I think it's really important that we get away from just talking about unconscious gender bias. Other issues is like, lack of visibility which is a big one that I'm an advocate for going fucking put yourself out there like get on the camera and put yourself out there and I don't mean that to sound aggressive but like if you don't do that get help to do that like I will help you do that like but you need to actually put yourself out there you need to build that confidence and the thing that's so sad is that a lot of us were brought up to not be confident because it's like we were told that's not ladylike to put yourself out there or promote yourself right that's a huge one. Less capital networks, I mentioned. Um, Underrepresentation in high growth industries. So this like, and this stuff doesn't start now when we're like 30 and 40. I know most of my listeners are like over 25, right? I don't know. There's a few who are quite young. So sorry for the swearing to the people who are really young. <laughs> but it's like, you've got, uh, as, as we're going through like school, there's all this stuff that happens as we're, as we're growing up and what our parents tell us is okay and not okay. That has a big impact on our behaviour. I have much harder time getting women to come on live streams with me than men, right? And I go out of my way because I want that representation because I look at so many podcasts out there and they're just like all men talking about business. And there's also the other thing that's happening, which is all women talking about business. And I'm like, guys, like, let's fucking grow up. We're not five. We can talk to each other. So <laughs> we, we've got these issues like in, in schools, what are we being encouraged to do? Like I was always encouraged to be a scientist. I was never, I didn't even know. I didn't know that like there weren't that many women who were scientists. I didn't know that. I was, I was homeschooled when I was a kid and I got to high school and I was lucky enough to go to a high school that was like, of course you should study science. Like, why would you not? And maths. Like that was just, that was just normal for me. Like I'm super privileged, but that's not what, what's happening in a lot of cases. So women aren't go going and studying software engineering or science degrees or engineering degrees. They're like, it's, this is happening young. And so then the pipeline down the track means that in these high growth industries, like in the tech startup world, that's not happening. Right. And then it's kind of like, well, if you are one of those people, often people who are in those situations, I've interviewed some awesome women who are doing some really cool stuff in the tech startup space. They're like, they get harassed. Like they get harassed for like starting a tech company. I've, I know women who've been harassed for being on a board. Like that's mental. That is crazy in 2020 that that's happening. And it's the last thing that we need. Absolutely. Last thing that we need. So We've talked about what's happened in 2020. We've talked about the demographics of small business owners versus entrepreneurs. We've talked about what the difference is between small business and entrepreneurs. I want to move on now to talking about entrepreneurs and I want to talk about, I don't really want to say side hustlers because I hate the word hustle, but I want to talk about people who are doing a side business or they're doing something on the side, right? Because I think that um, that comes into it. And then I want to talk finally about what we can all learn about from each other. So if you've been watching this live stream for a while, I've still got a little bit to go. I reckon we'll go, I reckon we'll go for an hour, like in total, um, <laughs> for anyone watching. But um, I think that it's really, really important that 
in business, we, we kind of support each other and don't focus on this competitive thing. And I've mentioned this on the show before. Um, just quickly, I want to, with that visibility thing as well, like in um, the podcasting space, so it's like women represent like one third. So two thirds of podcasters are men and one third are women. And it might look like there's lots of female podcasters because I think what Apple does is it kind of like maybe puts more female entrepreneurs on the entrepreneurship side of things. It's one of the questions in their application process is like, what what are you doing about diversity, right? Um, but the thing that I notice is as soon as I listen to like a lot of those like big name uh, entrepreneurship podcasts that are run by men, you don't hear a lot of female voices on them and they're the ones that get a lot of playtime. So this is happening, this is happening like everywhere, right? And this is a systemic thing. So uh, entrepreneurs and side hustlers. So entrepreneurs, and again, going back to Eric Rees and what he talks about in The Lean Startup, entrepreneurs are like people who are um, in a corporate business or maybe it could be like a small and medium-sized enterprise, but they're kind of the people who are still looking at innovation, so they're still going, what's the next thing we can do? What's the new product we can develop? And what they're doing is so much more closely tied with entrepreneurs in a lot of ways to like what small business owners have traditionally done. And now it's like all three of us are kind of coming together and going, actually, we're all kind of, we're all kind of in the same boat a little bit, right? Um, then people in side projects, what I think is really interesting about uh, side projects, side, side businesses, running a podcast show, doing all that kind of stuff, maybe if it's, if it's even a hobby, right, is that um, it's kind of there's a little bit of that, oh, I'm not a real entrepreneur or I'm not a real business person because I still have a job, you know, and or I'm not going to charge for this because like, uh, this is a side thing or it's something I love to do. And this is something I noticed for myself. And I do think this is something that women tend to do more because the people who've challenged me on it most are also men in my life have been like, Lauren, like you need to think about like how you charge people, like get that you want to do all this stuff for free. Awesome. Get that like making millions of dollars isn't your objective, but like you still, you still are valuable and you're still worth something and you still need to actually charge for that and and value yourself and I'm like yeah why do I get so like why do I jump into this oh no I don't want to charge thing and it's kind of like saying the same thing to me that I said to you guys before it's like if you're not on camera if you're not putting yourself out there if you've wanted to have a podcast and you haven't done it because you've been told no you need to shut up because you're female I'm like I've been told no you you're not valuable you can't charge for this just give it for free right? Like, which is weird, but I'm like, that's the message I've gotten growing up. I don't know exactly where it's come from. I don't know why I have that, but it's like, no, no, no. I should just do this for free because I love to do it. And I've met a lot of women who kind of think the same, not all women. There's women who are like, I'm taking advice off and I'm like, you are amazing and gold because you aren't doing these things. But I want to share that because I'm like, if you're like that, just know that you're not alone. And also know that like, we need to change this. We need to change the way we're doing things. Like, I'm saying this is someone, again, who's like super privileged and I'm struggling with that. So what the fuck is going on for someone who isn't? And I like that, that always comes up for me. Like I think, geez, like I've had all these opportunities 
and I've been so lucky with social capital and I still struggle. I still struggle with all this bullshit that society has put on me saying, this is who you're meant to be and this is what you're meant to say and you're not meant to say this stuff. It's not okay that you say this stuff. I'm like, I, I'm struggling with that. I've done therapy. I've had money to support me. I've had all these things. What's going on for someone who doesn't have any of that? Like what's going on in their head? Like that's shit. So if you're an entrepreneur and if you're a side hustler and if you're being quiet, what I would encourage you to do is to not be quiet. What I would encourage you to do is say something because like we can't like, we can't keep putting ourselves in this position. It's like we've already got other, other things and systems against us. I remember what I was going to say. I remember what I was going to say about this barrier thing. The thing I was going to say was that it's, this is a fucking obvious thing that happens in our society in Australia and nobody says it. I have hardly seen anyone talk about this, about why women don't have the social capital that men have and it's fucking boys' private schools. That's why we don't have the social capital. If you look at the really, really wealthy schools in like Sydney and Melbourne, et cetera, et cetera, they are boys' private schools. They cost so much money to go to. And if you talk to parents that send their kids there, they go, I'm sending them there, not for the education, but for the network. And if you talk to people who've been to those schools, you just literally just <laughs> go to like any successful person, any successful male in Sydney and like most likely They've gone to one of these schools. Like it's such an obvious reason for this disparity because this happens to men as well. There's lots of men who are going, I've never benefited in the way that people are saying I've benefited. And it's like, yeah, no, because there's lots and lots of men who are going through the same thing that women are. It's just that right at the top at that extreme wealth end. You're talking about old money that goes like through he's this is not like conspiracy this is like super obvious stuff right and I'm not sure why no one talks about it and I'm like I know boys that went to private schools I know men that went to private schools and I know how they talk about things and then like the other final thing and because I'm ranting I'm just gonna do it because I'm here now is like there are also people who are just sexist. Like that's also true. Like there's the unconscious gender bias, but there is also gender bias. So like just like blatant, like explicit, like women are shit kind of thing, right? Like blatant misogyny. That's still happening with people who are in the workforce now. So two conversations I know my husband had in the last week, I won't name who they are, but he was like, I can't believe these people said this. It was... um two male consultants over 60 who are practicing in the anesthetics kind of world who both said, oh, women coming into anesthetics has really changed things. So I'm like, that still exists. That's still alive. That's still happening. It's not the only thing, but it's still happening. And my husband's sitting there going like, what do I even say to that? How does this person think it's okay to say this stuff to me? Like, like, it's like they're not even cognizant of the fact that like that is not like something you should say out loud, like let alone think it like you, you've like blatantly just said that out loud. Okay, so what can we all learn from each other? <laughs> and hashtag end of rant. Well, I think the big thing that we can learn from each other is that there are things that we have all learned this year because there's been so much change that we've had to all be 
like dealing with this uncertainty, even if we've had a business that would otherwise be like, yeah, this is fine, right? Like, or a lot, it feels a lot safer. We've all had to had to deal with this this year. For women in business in particular, I think we need to use this feeling of being like, I'm still here to go, how am I going to push forward more next year? Not as in change your goals, like to prove a point. That's not what I mean. Like, I'm not someone who's like, yeah, I want to be like running a unicorn company. I'm, I, I just don't want that. I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting that. It's just not what I want. And I think, uh, you know, I would betray myself if I was trying to like do that just to prove a point. I think there are legitimate reasons for like not wanting to play that game. But if you want to play that game, play it and go to the venture capitalists and get work, get funding from them. Like, cause that government thing, it's just going to, in yes, short term, it's going to help. But long term, I just think it is so short-sighted. We need to be playing a much, much bigger game. And like, yeah, if it's going to help you for a little bit, but still go for that funding, still go for those other things, still be networking, still be getting help. Like we've all been I think in some ways, like as we're going through this uncertainty, it's like there's there's JobKeeper, right? There's JobKeeper, there's JobSeeker. It's like, okay, like there's a little bit of like falling back on the government, but I'm like, we can't keep relying on the government. We have to like pick ourselves back up as well. Like I'm super grateful for being able to get help there, but I'm not going to let that like pacify me. I'm not going to let that mean that I'm not pushing for new things or I'm not taking risks and I'm not challenging myself and I'm not thinking about that visibility and how I put myself out there. So on if you're an entrepreneur, think about can I actually be doing this, especially if you're a woman, especially if you're in an underrepresented area. Like go think about that. Think about what that could look like for you. If you've been running this side project, think about that as well. Like it might not seem like it's a great time to be going out there, but actually in Australia, the funding from VCs has been the same this year. Like it's, it hasn't really been affected in the same way it's been in lots of other parts of the world. So that like, there's no better time than now. Like, just like, if you want to do it, do it. I'm not saying like put everything on the line. I'm just saying, don't, don't be pacified. Don't be pacified by like, oh, we'll give you a little bit of money and you can just set up a small business. If you don't want that, go and play that bigger game. I'm going to make an offer for people who want to do that and feel like they don't, they just don't have that support. What I'm going to do is anyone listening to this, anyone watching this, if you want help with your marketing, I will give you a free one hour marketing consultation and we will go through what you need to do next. We'll just draw out that roadmap of like what you need to do to get your business off the ground. I charge like 290 bucks to do this usually. So I'm happy to do that for anyone who is in an underrepresented area in growth. So if you're female, if you're indigenous, if you're a refugee, any of those things where you're like, I am not represented (laughs) hardly at all in this space, I'm happy to do that. So please get in touch with me. I'll put some links in here and links in the podcast um, for you to do that. I'm really excited about what can happen in the next five years. I'm super passionate about making sure that people who want to achieve these things can achieve these things. And I'm really hopeful about it. I'm just a bit shitty with the government for fucking this up for women. Like they fuck a lot of things up for women and they've kind of done it again. But we're bigger than that (laughs) and we can move past that. And there's lots of men out there who can help as well. Like, Uh, men and women in leadership positions like there's so many people that are just 
are really encouraging and uh, you just need to, to be put in touch with them. So again, if you're like, I don't know who can help me, I know I've got heaps of people in my network, just reach out to me, let me know what you're after. And if I can't help you, there's usually someone out there who can. There's some amazing people doing amazing things. Um, that's it from me for today. I went a bit under the hour <laughs> in the end. Uh, got a little bit angry and passionate and excited there and uh, that's who I am. So I, I won't edit that out on the podcast, but um, thank you for people who are watching. Thanks for the comments, Jeremy and Shivaraj. If you're listening to this on the podcast show afterwards, please next time come along to the live stream. Always love to see um, people on the live stream. Oh, have a great weekend, everyone, and I'll speak to you again uh, soon. I'll, I'll be back on the show on uh, Monday and for on the live stream. Uh, I think I'm interviewing Anthony English on Wednesday next week, and then on Friday I'll be doing another live stream. All right, guys, so that's it from me for today. Like I said, a bit raw. Uh, I could feel myself at one point being like, uh, like I'm going to get upset on the live stream. Like I'm going to actually – get a bit emotional and uh which is interesting I like because sometimes I just get a bit like teary but I didn't <laughs> I, I know I know women and men who do that as speakers and stuff um but I try to kind of like be emotional without my mascara going everywhere so I managed to pull that off uh just a quick reminder if, if you want to jump on twitter at lauren Cress 89 say hello use the hashtag grow your brand to be part of the conversation uh linkedin facebook uh, you can find me on those channels. I'm actually on Instagram as well, but I don't, I don't love Instagram. I don't use it that much. Uh, but if, if Instagram's your thing, you can, you can find me at Lauren Cress 89. I think my Twitter ha handle is, I mean, you know, if you just look up my name, you'll find me. All right, guys, until next time, remember that sharing your talents with the world will make it a better place. Talk to you soon. Viator is the world's leading travel experience marketplace, offering everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. Extensive options, ease of selection, and flexibility at your fingertips help make sure your time is wonderfully spent. Viator is the place to go to book experiences that will create long-lasting moments that make lifetime memories. And Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences to choose from in over 190 countries. In in fact, just last year, Viator helped my family put together this amazing adventure on the island of Kona, swimming with the manta rays, trying to avoid the barracudas, whatever your wildest dreams. If you can imagine it, Viator probably has an experience just for you. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in Viator's world of wonderful experiences. Viator, one site, over 300,000 experiences you'll remember.